Welcome to Dragon Talk. How's everybody doing? We're very excited uh, to be here for this very show. We have an amazing interview uh, with uh, Josh Perrault from Taking Initiative and his friend Bucky Masters. Nice. Yeah, they've been friends forever. Actually, I guess Jonathan Jonathan Buckmaster is his real name, but you know, we'll just call him Bucky Barnes, and that makes it way easier. Uh, he's he's very cool, uh, as is his friend Joel. They've been friends for a very long time, and they played Under the Dragons together. And he had the idea for podcasts of annihilation. He came up with the idea. Yeah, Josh did. Yeah, Josh. I know, right? What other ideas does he have? Many, many. We will have to ask him. <laughs> what are six other ideas you've just had? Ask him, and we'll implement all of them. Uh, <laughs> But uh, for those of you who don't know, the Podcast of Annihilation is a program that's running right now uh, 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 and is available on the Dungeon Dell feed, uh, which is different from the Dragon Talk feed. It's more of our live play games are all on Dungeon Delve. So there's tons of acquisitions incorporated, you know, back when it started and how yes. that all happened. Um, and then now we have a whole bunch of other fun stuff uh, coming from uh, live uh, audio creators. They liked what we were doing with video streaming and they're like, wow, we want to get into it for, for audio play. Um, and uh, they're, they're amazing. So we have Nerd Poker and Taking Initiative, Encounter Roleplay, uh, Dungeon Rats, as well as God's Fall. That's uh, Aram Bartian who's been on the, yeah. the podcast. Uh, Sneak Attack, we had Reed uh, on the podcast, uh, as well as Lindsay. Uh, Drunks and Dragons, uh, who we know uh, from... I uh, See, now I'm confused because we also have Dungeon Drunks, which are two right. different ones. Right. One of them is uh, Mike and one of them is Lauren. Right, right, exactly. So good people all around. Venture Maidens, d and for nerds and you meet in a tavern. I like that name. Yes, all those. They're they're very good. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, we're having two episodes each uh, day of this week of when Tomb of Annihilation comes out live uh, for the rest of the entire world. Uh, those of you not just in, in your friendly local game store, but you can get it everywhere now. It is out, uh, and they all took different tricks and turns, and some of them uh, got together and played with each other on their episodes. It's really fun stuff. So we'll get into all of the the idea generation behind that and how much fun it has been uh, for them so far when we talk to, to Josh. So they're and Becky. on each other's shows. Yeah, some. Of them. I love that. I like. Like when after the stream of Annihilation and we saw people popping up, or during the stream, too. Exactly. I, just, I love that. I know. I it's good it. stuff, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, Tomb of Annihilation is out now, of course, as I said, so go check that out if you're interested. There are some of these things that we've been talking about tickle your fancy. Um, and, uh, you know, you can get also on D&D Beyond and Roll20 and Fantasy Grounds, everywhere. Everywhere. Um, the PAX West live show was also out there. It's uh, the Ooh, the yeah. video on demand is available on uh, Twitch.tv slash PAX. The YouTube video is also there. I think it's on uh, the uh, Acquisitions Incorporated playlist uh, on uh, the Penny Arcade channel for that. Extra Life is a thing that's coming up uh, November third uh, and fourth. Starting uh, with the D&D game in Madison, Wisconsin at Game Hole Con, uh, we'll be streaming live on this channel. Uh, routine, uh, routine. We're just called routine now. No, yeah. we're just it's, routine. It's routine. It's Rudy. So routine. Rudy and uh, from Mazar County ah. will be there, as well as Mike Merles is running a game. Chris Perkins, Chris Lindsay, a bunch of other people from That's the D and D team uh, will be there, as well as some other fun uh, guests. Starting it off, and then all day on Saturday, November fourth, I'll be hosting uh, a bunch of other games that will be going on really? uh, over the course of the hosting entire thing. Hosting or running? I'll be hosting uh, like the the, the 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 transitory stuff. So yep. we'll have some people who are pl- they're playing from all over the world. It'll just be like our, our like a mini. Uh, stream of annihilation, basically during this extra life thing, nice. and all of uh, the donations that you get will all be benefit extra life, which goes towards Seattle Children's Hospitals, uh, which is a fantastic thing. 
Speaking of which, there's stuff you can, I mean, you can go to all those uh, uh, web pages right now, and we'll put some links into the chat where you can donate uh, money to that. But you can also purchase something called the Tortle Package. Hmm. Right now, it's a, uh, a PDF that has all of the information to play a turtle, uh, which is an anthropomorphic turtle. Uh, there is a settlement in Schultz uh, that is mentioned kind of in Tomb of Annihilation in passing. I think it's only got like a paragraph or two about it, but we go into a lot more detail into it. Uh, Chris Perkins and uh, the rest of the story team had a fun time putting oh, yeah. all that information in there about the turtle life cycle and how they uh, they all descend on this area to um, you know hatch their eggs and things, kind of like you know how South Pacific turtles all go back to the same beaches and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, that's such a great idea. Yeah, It's cool. Um, and, and then like- Per- hates them. I know. I think he's just got a like turtles. He thinks they're you know goofy, but and they are a little bit. But you know that's that's part of the fun. And even he said it was it was in support of uh, uh, yeah. helping kids out. So you can't go wrong. There. I think there's more to the story though. You can download all that stuff there, and uh, uh, all of the uh, uh, you know a good portion of the the por- percentages will go towards extra life. So that's pretty exciting. All yep. bas- basically everything that wizards would get from from purchasing of that will all go towards. Um, uh, Extra Life, which is fantastic. And then that will go and make uh, uh, more previews for Xanathar's Guide to Everything as we get more thresholds and things go on uh, there. I haven't set up my page yet, but when I do, I'll start shilling that as well, where you can influence the game, give me some healing potions if I need to. I'll be playing in the game uh, here in this here studio here on uh, on Saturday. So a lot of fun stuff happening. Oh, fun. Uh, again, that is Extra Life and uh, starting November 3rd and 4th. All right. Right. What else do we have? We have so many other things going on. Talk about uh, this. Uh, of course. Oh, yeah. And that was uh, talking about uh, previews for Xanathar's Guide to Everything. Uh, Shelly was awesome enough to actually bring this in, as I've been talking about. This is the alternate cover you can only get in game stores on November 10th. Um, Hydro 74 designed this. It's a nice little alternate cover. We're printing a small amount of them. Uh, you can only get them, and then when they're gone, they're gone. Uh, so check it out. It's very beautiful. It's got. Uh, we haven't really leaned into the gold uh, or Art Deco for Fifth Edition. You know, I'm channeling my my, my inner Shauna Wolf Narciso right. talking about all all uh, these design terms. But uh, it's really neat, and uh, I can't wait to get it. And it's got it's a nice. Beautiful. It's got a nice. It's got a nice mouthfeel. Yeah, you do want to just kind of touch just it. Just kind of touch it. Similar to Bolo's Guide, it's got that kind of feel to it. So we're going to leave that there. Uh, again, that's November 10th in game stores, and you'll get previews of it if you uh, donate to Extra Life. Make it happen. Betrayal of Bolo's Guide is coming out October 6th. We're psyched about that. So excited. There's lots of content. If you were probably the previous episode of, of this very podcast, you yep. might have uh, heard an interview with Chris Dupuy and Mike Merles, uh, the designer and implementer of, uh, uh, of that game. I'm going with implementer. I, I know. Like I it. like that, too. Yep. It's good stuff. Yep. And uh, what else do we want to talk about for Betrayal at Baldur's Gate? It's going to be so good, you guys. I'm telling you. That's just it. So good. Uh, Your new favorite board game. We've been talking about uh, Access and Allies, the anniversary, the anniversary edition. edition. It's coming no longer on October 6th, but uh, October, October 20th. 20th. Right? Because October 20th is my dad's birthday, and I thought it would be a really cool thing for him to have a game release on that day. That's important. So we moved it. Yeah, that's That's how we make our decisions. I love it. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, also Hurricane Harvey. We w- record all these on uh, uh, Twitch, these live episodes, uh, and we've got tons of fantastic programming that's new that's coming on there. Yes. Uh, uh so if I'm you, excited for Mike's show. Yeah, we're going to have Mike's show. Right now, we, we've already started, uh, I think there's been two episodes of uh, Trump SC on Saturdays, yeah. uh, plays um, his show, which is called Heroes Graveyard, uh, and it's with him and Koibu, uh, who has been um, in a lot of the, uh, the Misclicks episodes on the uh, Misclicks. Nice. Uh, uh, I'm, now I'm forgetting what they've called it. 
Uh, Miss Cook's Risen, yes, Miss Cook's D&D Risen, uh, which is fantastic. Um, and that is happening at uh, 4 p.m. on Wednesdays, and they have uh, a new cast member, Curtis Weeb, who knows the Rat Queens. He's been on there for the last, like, oh, month yeah. or so. Uh, and been doing really good stuff there. Uh, and uh, other things you might want to jump in to check out are uh, Monday nights. Uh, right after this, we have Rachel Seeley and Erica Fermini are going to be playing Neverwinter. They started new characters in Neverwinter, and they're just going up through, and they'll eventually get to Tomb of Annihilation content. So if you haven't been interested in what it's like starting out a new MMO character, uh, they're, they're super groovy and have a lot of fun and, uh, uh, you know, play through it. It's good stuff. Uh, also, Idol Champions of the Forgotten Realms from Codename Entertainment. It's in oh, uh, Alpha now. No, I'm sorry. It's in um, Early Access. That's what it's called. You can get it on Steam right now. You can follow them at Idol Champions on Twitter uh, and find out more about that. But you basically send your adventurers out on adventures. <laughs> and they uh, kill monsters, collect loot, and get all the gold uh, from that. And uh, But it's a, it's a light touch type game. So you can do a little bit of, of gameplay, let them play for a long time, and then go back and collect all the gold and stuff. It's happening there. Uh, Tales from Candlekeep has been uh, coming out in October. It's basically a board game representation of uh, the game that WizKids is making. It's a, a Tomb of Annihilation board game, which is fantastic. Um, and uh, we've been playing that a lot also here in the office. Very, very fun game. Uh, basically, I, you know, build out tiles and stuff, and you, be, uh, you create a D&D adventure. It's kind of like D&D Lite, similar to Betrayal at Ballers Escape, but just mm-hmm. like a different vein. It's like more uh, all about uh, what's happening with the, in, in Schult and things like that. But there's a digital version coming out uh, from our friends at Becom, and that's out in October. You can follow them at Tales Candlekeep. All right. Okay. All right. Thanks. I think that's it, bro. Uh, Let's get right to this wonderful segment. Uh, It is lore you should know and or sage advice and or a new segment that (laughs) I just made up and we're going to call it uh, Shelly Bazer Noble. Yeah. Yes. Oh, no. I don't believe one of those previous two. But we'll make to that uh, those bings and those bongs right about now and then we'll get to calling our friends. Okay. Oh, man. Welcome to another segment of Sage Advice. I am Greg Tito, and I'm joined by... Jeremy Crawford. And we are here to talk about uh, Dungeons & Dragons uh, mechanics in 5th edition, as well as some of the intent uh, behind the design and development uh, of those rules. And uh, the subject we're going to be delving into today is conditions, the different conditions in 5th edition. And these are interesting because I feel like... In third and fourth, those were codified way more so than in previous uh, editions, at least from, I don't know, from my understanding where it was like, oh, these mean something. Uh, and then uh, I liked that it was uh, a rule that you could always refer to and different powers and things could do that. But now it feels like with fifth edition, it's an elevation even beyond that. Yeah. So when we were designing uh, fifth edition, we looked at work that the team had done in the previous two editions on conditions and Uh, decided we wanted to continue to use uh, these little nuggets of of rules Mm because that's really each condition is like a little rules nugget that we can use over and over again. Right, without having to say the full description of the thing uh, that is happening to your character or to uh, uh, a non-player character, a monster, you can just be like, oh, this happens, and then everybody can refer back to that. And it's just this really great shorthand. Exactly. Uh, and But we decided we wanted to get the list of conditions uh, to be as short as possible. We wanted the conditions to be as simple as we could get them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we wanted the game to rely on them as much as possible because the beauty of this sort of reusable uh, rule 
is that once a person has internalized how, say, the prone condition works, you're good to go. Then right. forever after when you're playing D&D and you, and you hear that somebody got knocked prone, you know what's going on in the game system. And a side note, what I love about conditions too is they, they teach me words that I would not know otherwise. Mm. Like prone, for example, I would never, you know, I don't know if even common usage in the world people would use prone, but it feels like in some contexts, but yeah, yeah. yeah. It, 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 but it's funny if you play D&D, it, it sounds like a totally natural term to yeah. be using all the time. Right. And you say it in, in, in normal conversation, people are like, what are you talking about? I'm like, oh, that, that's when you go, <laughs> you're laying on the ground. <laughs> when you lie prone, of course that's what Duh. I mean. <laughs> uh, and and the conditions are so fundamental to the game that they are uh, the centerpiece of both Dungeon Master screens that we've released for 5th edition D&D. Uh, and I find as a DM on the DM screen, that's the thing I most often will, will look at just to make sure I'm remembering. Uh, even, even though I am the person who wrote <laughs> the condition <laughs> definitions, I still look at them to make sure, am I remembering this right? Yeah. Um, although it's funny, I second guess uh, the rules I wrote myself more than anything else because... I don't trust that I'm remembering what we publish versus what like five versions that were in my head as I was writing it. Uh, so it's funny. I think particularly because I wrote the condition definitions, I'm like, mm, right, right. Am I, is it? It's that little safety net to be like, did I get it right? Okay, yep. I got it right. Yep. And that's that's important, right? And you got really good at like looking up things. Uh, I always look up everything. Yeah, I mean, as people, anyone who has watched the video feed of when we do these podcasts will see. I'm always glancing down at the book, and again, it's precisely to make sure I'm remembering what's actually on the page, and not version ten. That, or the play test from or sometimes July again not even play test but it's like rattling around in my skull uh, <laughs> because as even in the writing process I will have versions that never see the light of day oh there's that yeah yeah right um, so I have to make sure it's the real version that I'm talking about so so conditions they are uh, as fundamental to how fifth edition works as say advantage and disadvantage uh, because so many things in the game. Uh, expect you to look at these definitions when you're playing. You know, think of as you're playing the number of times the rules w use words like prone, invisible, incapacitated, mm -hmm. uh, restrained, grappled. All of these and many other terms, they are conditions. And anytime those terms pop up in the game, the expectation is you're either going to remember what the definition is for that term in D&D, or you're going to go look it up. And because so many things in the game rely on these conditions uh, in the player's handbook, we made the decision to move them into their own appendix at the back. Mm -hmm. Originally, they were going to be in the combat chapter, but as we were working on the book, I realized, well, these are much bigger than combat because you, you know, there are many spells that will impose these conditions outside of combat. You might have to deal with these conditions when you're just walking through the wilderness uh, because of a uh, trap you face or something else, uh, they are they touch everything right. uh, in the game. Now, one thing, though, is they can sometimes be a gotcha. Uh, and I say this because pretty much everybody who plays knows prone, hey, that's one of those conditions and that's on that list and I need to go see what it does. Uh, you know, incapacitated comes up over and over and over again, and people usually know, okay, yeah, yeah, that's one of the conditions. 
But then there are ones like Poisoned. And I've actually seen many players forget that poisoned, when when you see that word, that's also a condition. Yeah. That's a condition like charmed and frightened. Those three in particular, uh, I sometimes in our game design meetings years ago would refer to those as our delivery device uh, conditions. Because there are, there are a number of spells and monster abilities in the game that will, del- that, uh, will impose like the charmed condition or the frightened condition or the poisoned condition, and then have these various other effects that go along for the ride. Because the, the spell or the monster ability will say, while the target is charmed, blah, 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 is also true. Or, while, right. or until this poison ends, the target suffers these other effects. And so that's why I refer to them as these are delivery device conditions. Because it's actually pretty rare in the game for them to be imposed... On their own. Uh, and on their own. Now, right. it does certainly happen, but often, again, they're there as, as that, that delivery device. And we do that because then there are many other things in the game that can shut those particular conditions off. You know, there are things that can help wipe away a ch- uh, the charmed condition or being frightened or can neutralize a poison. And so what we wanted is that when you clear that condition away, you also clear away all of those kind of parasitic yeah. additional effects. Well, and that's why the conditioned kind of game design that evolved uh, uh, is so ingenious because it, it, it touches, you know, healing magic. It touches, you know, uh, racial uh, abilities. I'm thinking, you know, the elves and not being able to do charm magic. Like that mm-hmm. was really hard to understand in previous editions because it was like, what, what? Do the elves not be able to get? But like, just the fact that they okay, anything that has the charm kind of keyword or 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 you know uh, condition means that they are resistant to it and that kind of stuff. So now, it's, and and I'm glad you brought up charm because people's experience with previous editions will sometimes trip them up mm-hmm. when uh, reading different rules in fifth. Charm is a great example of this. Because in previous editions, there was sometimes this notion of sort of broadly charm effects uh, that were kind of grouped in very early on in in the game's history, just simply grouped by their effects. Like, are are you beguiling somebody in some way? Well, that's kind of a charm effect. Then starting in in third edition, things would start getting tagged in various ways. Like, it's a mind-altering effect, you know, that sort of thing. In fifth edition... In terms of the rules, there is no such thing as a charm effect. In 5th edition, uh, whenever the rules talk about uh, being charmed, they use that word charmed, and they're referring to the charmed condition. Uh, so when it comes to you know, elves having advantage against things that, that would impose the charmed condition, and often it will just say, you know, against being charmed. What that means is having the charmed condition imposed upon them. Right. And so if if a particular effect, even if it's kind of a beguiling effect, if it does not include the charmed condition, then the that, that elven ability uh, has no effect against it. Right. Now, there are exceptions. There are a number of magical abilities that will not impose the charmed condition, but will say if a creature is immune to being charmed, then the creature is also immune to this spell. So we we still can work in a creature's immunity or resistance to a particular condition mm-hmm. even into a spell or other game effect that doesn't directly impose that condition. Yeah, right. And so that's why the shorthand makes so much 
makes it so much easier to uh, uh, communicate ideas like that because, you know, if you had to explain that, it would take two or three more sentences and there's only so much space in the book and right. that kind of thing. So, like, having those, those shorthand kind of ways to to even describe things that are not really affected by the condition is, is, is must be super useful for you guys. Yeah. And the conditions even sometimes are shorthand inside other conditions. Uh, so when you get to, say, the unconscious condition – it tells you, as do a few of the other conditions, that you're also incapacitated. Incapacitated is another condition. Incapacitated is a is kind of the universal shutoff mechanism because many things in the game, including uh, the concentration rule, uh, uh, will refer to being incapacitated, and or you know a number of class features will say this this will last until you're incapacitated and we use incapacitated as basically the way uh, this is how we shut things off right and but what's interesting is on its own incapacitated doesn't do a whole lot uh, on its own what it does is it stops you from taking actions or reactions it doesn't even stop you from moving i get this question sometimes mm. if i'm incapacitated can i move the answer is yes uh, now, that said, very few things in the game apply the incapacitated condition on its own. It's right. almost always a part of a bigger package. Like right. you're knocked unconscious and a part of being unconscious is you're incapacitated. Uh, why, was there, why were those separate? Why, why did you need two things there? So uh, we had a variety of uh, conditions that needed to refer to incapacitated, and we wanted one word that all of the rules could refer to as basically the shutoff mechanism. I see. Uh, so basically, it, really the idea behind it is, however you're incapacitated, if you're incapacitated, the following things are true. You know, your concentration ends. Any class feature you have that says it ends when you're incapacitated it gets shut off. Mm -hmm. And that's true whether you're incapacitated because you were knocked unconscious or because you were petrified or you were stunned or you were paralyzed. All of those are conditions uh, that mention uh, the incapacitated condition. Got it. Now, uh, one of the questions that comes up about the incapacitated condition, in addition to that, w that question about movement, is people will ask, well, all right, I can't take actions or reactions when I'm incapacitated. Can I take bonus actions? And the answer is no, because bonus actions are themselves actions. And as the, the bonus action rule specifies earlier in the player's handbook, anything that deprives you of your ability to take actions also deprives you of your ability to take bonus actions. Okay. Because again, what's important, as implied by the name itself, a bonus action is an action. Uh, it's, it's it's an not, extra bonus action. Exactly. Right. Exactly. It's, it's not necessarily mm. its its own different thing. Right. Precisely. And so that's that's why sometimes people wonder. Well, then if that's the case, why doesn't the incapacitated condition also say you can't take bonus actions? But again, it already does because it says you can't take actions. Right. And bonus actions are actions. Yeah. It's like a bonus action is a subset of actions. Precisely. Right. Uh, but again, I understand why the question uh, arises. Uh, but again, they just want to be able to cast healing word whenever they want to. <laughs> right. Even even while asleep. <laughs> uh, you get healed. Yes. Which which could be very useful. <laughs> uh, now, also, um, and I'm going to bounce around a little bit because different questions arise about different conditions. Right. Uh, people sometimes wonder if the charmed condition is inherently magical. Uh, the question and the answer is no, it is not. Uh, 
there are many magical abilities that impose the charmed condition, but we have even introduced, uh, particularly in Unearthed Arcana, uh, class features that non-magically charm people. Uh, and really what it's representing there is someone is being just crazily persuasive mm. uh, or beguiling. Um, and the thing to remember is the charm condition does not itself give you any kind of mind control. Uh, it just simply means you have advantage on ability checks uh, to interact socially with the person you've charmed. And they're not going to do anything uh, to attack you. Right, I've I've, uh, I've seen people try to argue that means that like there's you know it's that old uh, uh, cartoon idea where like there's you know circles in their eyes and they're just able to do whatever you want them to do. No, and like, no, that's not it. They're no. just basically like I don't know uh, attracted not, to you. Yeah, or like you know yeah. are, are, they're not going to try to hurt you. Yes, exactly. They're like oh the, I, they're receptive to whatever you have to say uh, more so than they would be if they were not under that effect. Yeah, another another uh, great way for a person to think of the charmed condition by itself is just the person is now extra friendly. They, right. they don't want to hurt you, and they're receptive to your ideas, and that's represented by the fact that you have advantage on uh, any social ability checks right. you make uh, toward them. Uh, it, it doesn't does, change their personality. It doesn't make no. them, like, gregarious and, or anything. It just makes them able to, 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 to not discount you immediately. They're kind of like, right. oh, all right, I'll listen to what you have to say. But because the charm condition is a delivery device for other effects, it does appear in certain magical effects that also include a certain amount of control. And right. that's why I think sometimes people think, oh, that control is a feature of the charm condition. It is not. Uh, because, again, the, the condition itself is very short <laughs> in terms of its text <laughs> yeah. of just you have advantage against the person and they're not going to harm you. Yeah, uh, but that's why the friend spell is... is uh, cantrip. Right? Mm -hmm. it's, you, you're basically implying that that condition on someone, uh, but without you know, you can do it ad nauseum. You know, right. but but right. otherwise that would be a completely crazy cantrip. They were like, ah, you get charmed, we get charmed, we get charmed. Yeah, 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 for sure. That makes sense. Uh, so uh, people uh, sometimes forget that invisible is a condition, uh, and 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 there are some important rules built into uh, uh, the invisible condition itself. One of the biggies is that when you're invisible, uh, your, uh, your attack rolls have advantage uh, and people's attack rolls against you have disadvantage. This is true even if they know where you are mm -hmm. uh, because as, as uh, our listeners know, um, when you're invisible, it doesn't mean you're silent. Like if you really want to make sure people don't know where you are, you need to hide. You you know you make a dexterity stealth check, and you're hoping that they're not only going to not notice any visual trace of where you are, but they're also not going to hear you. I mean, and how many tropes have you seen in, in, in other forms of media where they attack the thing that is invisible, and they're like it's hard to do, and that's why right. the disadvantage uh, applies. But you can still hit something that you kind of are guessing where it is. Absolutely, and. But what's key is even if they know where you are, they still have disadvantage to hit you because they can't see you. Right. Uh, yeah. That, and so that that piece of the invisible condition uh, is unaffected by what's going on with stealth and whether they can hear you or where do they know where you're located. That is a that is a hard coded part of the condition that you get to benefit from whenever you're invisible. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, also the invisible 
it's funny. Sometimes the conditions can be state things that seem really, really obvious, but rules need to be explicit. Yeah. So the invisible condition also makes sure to say it's impossible for people to see you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, what about targeting? Can you target with someone with a spell uh, if it's a if a if, if they can't? Is that so? Uh, the general answer is yes. Uh, it's it's actually. I think uh, we actually covered this. Yes, this, we have. We've talked about spell this in another, targeting, yeah. uh, uh, specific uh, stage device. So yeah, I'm there, just recapping. There there are certain spells, uh, quite a few, in fact, that specify you you must be able to see the the thing you're targeting. But if a spell doesn't say that, uh, you can you can target um, right. an invisible creature. Uh, particularly spells that involve attacks uh, because you can make attacks against things you can't see and just when you do, you have disadvantage. Uh, There's a good chance that, again, even if you know where they're located, you're going to miss because you're not seeing the exact outline of their form, uh, etc. The grappled condition. Uh, Sometimes uh, people forget it's here. And... uh, it includes some key bits of information for how grappling works. Uh, it, first, there's the very simple thing uh, that when you're grappled, your speed becomes zero. And this applies, if you have multiple speeds, this applies to all of them. Just in total, your speed's now zero. Right. Why did you choose to write it that way instead of you can't take movement actions? Well, first off, because we don't have movement actions. Right. Because uh, in, in fifth, you, just, you have your move, uh, which is kind of a more sort of... Um, amorphous thing that, you know, you can split up on either side of your action because, uh, you know, your, your turn, its structure is quite simple. You can take one action and on either side of that action, you can move. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the total amount of movement uh, that you can do is equal to your speed. And so this zeroes your speed out. Uh, and it says uh, you can't benefit from any bonus uh, to your speed. Uh, so even if someone casts a spell on you, to suddenly you know you have plus fifty to your speed, you know while wow. you're still at zero. Yeah, while while you're being grappled and being held in place, uh, your speed is zero. Now the thing is, is that is pretty much the only effect of the grappled condition. People will often get it confused with restrained, which is a much harsher condition. Yeah. Uh, all grappled does is just basically say, nope, you're not moving. Yeah. Uh, but here's some other key things the grapple condition tells you. It ends the instant your grappler is incapacitated. And here we go, referring again back yeah. to another condition, the ever-important incapacitated condition. They get incapacitated by any means whatsoever. The grapple is done. Uh, also, uh, the condition tells you that the grapple ends if you are removed from the reach of the grappling effect. Mm. So let's say they grab you with... Uh, with their five foot reach, if somehow uh, you get removed from their reach of five feet, the grapple's over. That might happen because you teleport away. That might happen because your friend hits you uh, with a thunder wave and blasts you out of their, uh, out of their grasp, also dealing damage to you at the same time, most (laughs) likely. Uh, But I've, I've seen a lot of interesting ways that people have used to get their friends uh, out of a grappling effect because they know this is how grappling works. If you could just get them out of, out of reach. the reach uh, of the grappling effect, uh, it's going to end. Now, this gets trickier, though, if the grappling effect has a really long range. Like we have some monsters, like the Roper, for instance, with 
uh, where the grapple is quite long. So good luck. Right. Right. <laughs> especially if especially if the uh, the grappled person is really close to the roper and it's like, all right, you gotta, gotta go gotta really way far out away. there. Thunder wave can't help you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but so the, the the grapple is is important to to kind of visualize too because it's I always kind of think it's you know is someone grabbing onto your shirt or mm-hmm. like you know like mm-hmm. it's got you in their their, their grasp. Um, but you can do everything else that you would normally be able to do if you were in someone else's grasp. It's the restrained that, you know, puts you down on the ground with the knee in the back, kind of like not we're able to take anything. Right. And, and often I'll, again, see people trying to have aspects of restrained within the grapple. within grappling. That's like, oh, you're grappled. So you have disadvantage on attack rolls. No, that's restrained. Right. Uh, grappled is really light. Uh, it, again, yeah, as you say, it's just sort of like, I, I, I got you. I got you. Right. And yeah. you can move to the restrained and that's what those rules are mm-hmm. all about. But it's, it's, it's just the act of, of doing that. Yeah. Yeah, precisely. So poisoned, uh, it is crazy short condition. It is, in fact, the shortest condition in the game other than incapacitated. They are the two that are, it's a single bullet in the bulleted list. Is that a, is that a, a check mark in the design? Me like, we got to make sure we have short, you know, concise, <laughs> the I, best condition rules are the ones that can get done in four oh, words, five words. We, we went through version after version of these conditions because, again, the game was going to be using them so much. Yeah. We... It was like squeezing water out of like a, a dish rag. We, wa- I we want- get the most meaning yes. out of the least amount of concise words. Yep, yep. Yeah. As short as possible. So poisoned is almost always just there to deliver a bunch of other stuff. Because uh, on its own, what it does simply is you have disadvantage on attack rolls and ability checks. So it kind of represents your kind of woozy... It's, you know, maybe a little hard to concentrate. It's a little hard to be accurate with your attacks. Yeah. Uh, but that's it. Uh, it, it. It does not impose disadvantage on your saving throws, um, partly because we didn't want to create a vicious loop yeah. where uh, you get poisoned and then it becomes harder to actually uh, save against the poison itself. Uh, but that's all poison does on its own. And so people will then see it used quite often for a variety of body altering effects um which really in the real world is all poison means it, right. it means any kind of toxin uh that enters your body and and harms it uh in some way would uh, you ever use uh the poison condition as a, a mechanical thing for uh you know drinking five beers for example uh that that would be a good use of the condition yeah, yeah. you could if if a person had a, had a character has a a crazy night of binge drinking and is blackout drunk, uh, as DM, I would probably subject him to the poison condition in the morning along with a mighty headache. (laughs) 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 And then they're going to try to find, you know, the the best hangover remedy in town. Uh, quests abound yes. uh, for, yes. for that various thing. Or yeah. or or the, the group just, you know, needs to have some neutralized poison. And, you know, <laughs> um, we can party all night yes. if we got the neutralized yeah. poison potion. No, but that, that was actually our thinking uh, when designing the dwarf uh, that, you know, dwarves uh, have a, uh, are very well known for their love of the drink and dwarves also are very good at resisting poison. And so our idea was, well, this is partly why they can drink so much because it just sense. doesn't affect them uh, as much as it affects other people. I can imagine actually this could be a little sad for the dwarves <laughs> <laughs> because everyone else is like, oh, I just had one nice cocktail and I'm good. Yeah. Well, the dwarves are, no, yeah, they're four or five cups in. Okay, I'm finally, finally, I, I feel, feel something. Yes. I feel it now. Yeah. <laughs> 
now, on the other end of the spectrum, when it comes to conditions, we have uh, some long ones uh, like petrified, which I'm not going to go into everything it does, uh, and unconscious. Unconscious I will talk about because it actually is one that comes up quite a bit. Um, people don't think about it, but uh, their characters are subjected to the unconscious condition pretty much every session of play. Whenever they get to zero. That or when they sleep. Uh, because as, as the Dungeon Master's Guide points out, and then this is uh, something uh, discussed uh, in a bit more detail in Xanathar's Guide to Everything, actually, oh, okay. uh, where, th- where there's a whole section on sleep. Uh, whenever you sleep, uh, you're subjected to the unconscious condition. So... Uh, you are incapacitated, which, bam, anything you're concentrating on just got shut off. Uh, and everything else that's in the unconscious uh, condition is suddenly imposed upon you. You can't move or speak. You're unaware of your surroundings. Uh, you drop whatever you're holding, uh, and you fall prone. So and here we again have prone. the unconscious condition referring to now the prone other condition. conditions, right? Uh, you automatically fail strength and dexterity saving throws because while you're there snoozing or you're knocked unconscious, you're not going to be dodging anything. Uh, and uh, also you're not going to be physically resisting anything with your strength. Uh, attack rolls against you have advantage. And here is also an important bit where sometimes people will ask me, does 5th edition have a coup de gras rule like 3rd? The answer is there is no rule called coup de to in in fifth edition. And part of that is we don't need it because hiding out here in the unconscious condition in its very last bullet is this little bit. Any attack that hits the unconscious creature is a critical hit if the attacker is within, within five feet of the creature. So what that means is if you get up right next to the sleeper or someone who's been otherwise knocked unconscious, uh, and you manage to hit them, and remember, you have advantage to do so, mm-hmm. that hit, bam, is a critical hit. That's not guaranteed to take them out, but especially odds are if they're just regular townsfolk or whatnot or a goblin, they're done. Um, and so that's, that's how we represent that. Now, I do get asked sometimes, well, why do you have to make an attack roll at all against an unconscious person? Yeah, uh, I was about to ask that. <clears throat> and... The reason is that armor class doesn't just represent your ability to dodge. Armor class uh, also represents uh, your physical resilience. And this is, this is an explanation of armor class that goes all the way back to first edition, where uh, Gary Gygax himself would often like to clarify that in D&D, when you roll to hit, you're not actually just rolling to hit. You're rolling to see if you manage to connect well enough to also deal damage. So it's basically the idea being that actually in any standard D&D combat, the combatants are probably actually scuffing each other and lightly hitting many times. But when you hit with that attack roll, what that represents is your hit connected well enough that you're dealing damage. Mm-hmm. And you might be hitting somebody who not only could be wearing uh, mighty armor, but in the case of many of our monsters, have scales, uh, you know, uh, a very unusually thick skin. So we need you to still make an attack roll uh, against an unconscious person. Because even though they're not dodging out of the way, they might have scales you need to get through. Yeah. Uh, they, there might be some other protective thing in place that you need to bypass. Now, because you have advantage, there's a very good chance 
uh, you're going to get through. Mm -hmm. And little behind the scenes math, what the advantage does is that basically erases most dexterity modifiers that most targets are going to have applied to their armor class. Mm. So kind of behind the scenes, that's how we're elegantly dealing with the fact that AC does usually also include a target's uh, dexterity. Uh, and the advantage sort of says, no, we're going to set that dexterity modifier to the side. Now, that said, unlike in uh, previous editions, not every creature's armor class includes their dexterity. Uh, not even the, every player character's armor class includes their dexterity. Players who play heavy armor wearers know that with a lot of the heavy armor, their dexterity modifier is irrelevant. Yeah. And this is, again, a great example of rolling to hit is not always just simply, did I aim properly? Is did I also get through their armor, their scales, uh, their protective skin, right. some magical barrier in the case of mage armor uh, that's shimmering there. Uh, all of those things uh, I, I, are, are, are there to protect you. And this is one, one, one of the reasons why we're very careful about what we make into an attack in the game versus what we make a saving throw in the game. Because mm. um, remember, the unconscious condition says you automatically fail dexterity saving throws. So anything in the game where for us, armor, scales, or any other kind of protective coating uh, that would be relevant to armor class, if those things are irrelevant to a particular effect, mm -hmm. let's say all that's relevant in a particular case is can you dodge out of the way, that's a dexterity saving throw, right. and the unconscious person automatically fails. So that's where the dodge, just pure dodging so uh, it's comes better, into play. So it's better to have a big rock that you're going to throw <laughs> or, you know, let fall on top of a sleeping creature just, because yeah, they won't be able to dodge out of the way yeah, and they'll kill them. There's no dodging. But if you're doing... With if a you're, sword or, you know, a, a dagger, you could miss. I mean, you, I mean even no, though it's, it's easier... It's unlikely. It's unlikely. Yeah. But, like, you know, right, if you just, you know, get it off to the side and their armor pushes it uh, away from a vital organ, they might still take damage, right. but it's not a killing blow automatically. Right. Uh, so that makes sense to me. Um a lot of the game of fifth edition, which you've said, it was about uh, uh, making the game go faster and mm -hmm. making things happen. So, this the coup de gras auction always was uh, something that was like, all right, well, you kill him, mm -hmm. that's it, you know, right. let's move on to the next thing or, right. or, or or figure it out. Why was it in this case uh, chosen to to do that where, where it could potentially uh, uh, make the make combats or or things go longer? So uh, we we have this as the default uh, because I mean, a for a lot of low-level opponents, using the unconscious rule, where if you hit them from within five feet of them, it's automatically a critical hit, yeah. for a lot of uh, low-challenge-rating opponents, that is going to take them out. Uh, they're they're going to have few enough hit points that odds are they're done. Mm -hmm. And so it effectively is a coup de grace. If, however, they are not uh, that weak, not that easy to take out, we didn't actually want to mandate essentially to DMs that anyone could be taken out that easily. Mm. We wanted to leave it to the dungeon master that if the DM is okay with essentially bypassing the normal combat processes yeah. and just wants to say, yeah, they're dead, the DM can absolutely do that. Right. Uh, but we did not want to have a rule in place that essentially mandated that, that took that out of the DM's hands because mm. the, that, that's often a really important narrative choice uh, and so basically we're like, all right, here's the way 
that you can pull these things off using the normal combat rules mm-hmm. with all of the uncertainty inherent to the combat rules. Because, you know, your D20 can betray you and you can... You, even with it, yeah, yeah, even with advantage, you could roll a one and a two and somehow fail uh, to to deal a telling blow to the sleeper. That's called sad vantage. Yes, yes. <laughs> I believe uh, coined by Greg Bilsland, if I remember correctly. Yes, yeah, it was. Uh, but if a DM basically says this, you know, that your target is not important. Uh, it, the DM often will not have dice rolled at all and just say... It, is, it happens. It just happens. Oh, that makes sense then. It makes it more of the uh, 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 the fiat for the for the dungeon master to make that decision. Exactly, and not the players. Right. Uh, the players, basically, the player's default is they need to go through the regular processes. Mm-hmm. And the thing I love about those regular processes, including this very rule, is it can lead to some great storytelling opportunities. Like, why the heck did you miss? And it could be, you know, you were sneaking into the room and you didn't realize, okay, they, your target thrashes a lot in their sleep and actually their silky blanket was hanging off the bed on the floor and you were so intent creeping up on them, you didn't realize you just stepped on that silky blanket and slipped and you stabbed into the pillow instead of into them. So it, I as a dungeon master love those moments the, where the dice create totally unexpected outcomes because then it's a chance to come up with a twist in the story. So rather than it being something like, oh, this is unbelievable, I always view it as, well, now it's my challenge as a dungeon master to make it believable, make Mm -hmm. it funny, make it scary, make it exciting. So that's why I kind of enjoy these things where even I as a dungeon master, if I decide to have people roll dice, uh, I I don't even know how it's going to turn out. And, And then I'll close on that, that at the end of the day, when it comes to whether a DM has people roll dice or not, it really comes down to a question of, is uncertainty important to the DM at this moment in the story? Yeah. If, if like, there's no meaningful chance of failure, uh, if the outcome is not particularly interesting, I recommend DMs just say whatever it is happens and move right along. If, however, uncertainty uh, could be a great storytelling opportunity. Uh, if there's a meaningful chance of failure, uh, like, and actually in this case, going back to the unconscious condition, if you're trying to take out your arch foe, if you fail, that's meaningful. Uh, that, and so that's a case where I would go use these rules because suddenly I want to see, all right, are, are the dice going to be in their favor? Are they going to accidentally wake the guy up and, again, slip on that silky comforter that they didn't <laughs> notice was hanging over the edge of the right, head? Right, right. Uh, yeah. That can be an exciting moment. Yeah. Uh, okay. But again, if there's no chance for excitement, if, it like, if it's low stakes, it's not important to the story, right. I'd say DMs don't bother with the dice and move right along. That makes sense to me. Yeah, so if it's, if it's a character that's memorable or you know, even if it's a low-level thing that you have a funny voice for it, you know, like, oh, I want to keep that, that person alive. And if the chance for that is, 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 is fun for the players because if they lose, they get to interact with that funny character some more. If they win, you know, then all right, they can move on to the next challenge or things like that. So right. yeah, right. Like make it if it's if it's completely meaningless, you know, hand wave it and it's all, all good to go. But let the let the dice decide. Make them be the uh, you know the the instigator of improv. Yeah, uh, and and that's exactly how I viewed the dice as as DM. To me, the dice are there to create improv opportunities uh, to surprise to surprise me and to keep me on my toes. 
Nice. All right. Well, thank you for this uh, uh, deep dive in the conditions. Uh, uh, we got a little bit more in the uh, uh, the coup de gras uh, kind of things at the end there, which I think we've talked about before. Also, mm-hmm. I think we're covering lots of things, but it's good because it's you know repetition. Not everybody sees every single segment, so exactly. it's good to continue to keep to reinforce stuff. But if people have questions, and I did see some of them in the chat here, I don't think we have time to get to uh, uh, specific questions that you guys had. Uh, but you can get in touch with Jeremy on Twitter at Jeremy E Crawford. That's the best way. You get, you answer, what, 10, 20 of those uh, a day sometimes. I, sometimes a day will slip by where I don't answer any, but uh, I do my best because yeah. uh, a lot of questions come in. But uh, yeah, if and if if I don't get to your question when you send it, try again because uh, people have had good luck in the past of sometimes retweeting something to me or uh, asking again. Twitter also uh, has a notification limit, so Mm -hmm. many questions will get gobbled up by Twitter before I ever see them. That's true. That's been a thing that's been happening to a lot. So, yes, keep at it. Be Mm -hmm. persistent, uh, uh, and uh, we will get your things. And maybe one of these times we'll do one of these segments that are just Q&A. Like, we can just open it up to you guys. I'd love to do it. Yeah, I think it'd be a lot of fun. All right, well, thank you so much, uh, uh, Jeremy, for for stopping by and this again. We'll get to uh, our interview uh, right about now. All right. Well, that was a really great uh, episode, wasn't it? So good. A segment. So good. We learned so much about the things and the stuff and the adventures. Good. Did you know that Dungeons uh, was initially called Dungeons and Dragons, but then they're like, let's just call it Or Dragons instead? That's not true. That joke totally didn't land. I'm a terrible person. I'm going to edit that, and we'll, <laughs> we'll come back with another one uh, later on, which will be just uh, equally as bad. Uh, but let's Dad call jokes. up uh, Josh and Bucky and uh, get to talking to them about taking initiative. Okay. Sound like a plan? Bring. Oh, hey, Bring. guys. How are you guys doing? <laughs> oh, hey, guys. Oh, hi. Have you been there the whole time? It's so weird. What? No. It's like oh, on never. Food no, Network. We, we were just listening to your Dungeons or Dragons podcast, and it sounded fantastic. Did you nice. laugh at Greg's joke? Of course I did. Yeah. <laughs> I, I spoiled the punchline. I really did. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> I really messed it up. I'm sorry about that. I'm going to try it again. I mean, yeah, I'm going to try it again. That it's an ampersand, because you really can't turn that into, well, anything. Yeah, maybe it's a slash. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Dungeon slash dragons. Yeah, it's just one. a horizontal dragon. There you go. <laughs> It's a bit it's a problem for branding. You can't really get a slash out there, but ampersand no. looks good stuff. Yeah. You wouldn't no, really no. have you wouldn't have cool water bottles. Just a slash. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> how are you guys doing? Good, man. Good. Uh, how are you? Doing great. We just saw each other. Uh, was that just Friday? Was that that really? was Friday? Yeah, yeah. Three days ago. Where? Uh, in the New York City. Uh, these guys oh. were like, "Oh, you're in New York. Let's go." Yeah, in the faraway demi plane of New York City. Oh, you yeah. guys are in New York City. It's true. Mm. Yeah, they work Ooh. in Chelsea. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, we work in the uh, TV, film, post-production world cool. out there. Is that how you guys yeah. know each other? Uh, no, Bucky and I have known each other since seventh grade. Yep, Aww. since we were like twelve years old. Yeah, did you, isn't that cute? Did your friendship form because of Dungeons and Dragons? Um, part of it, yeah, well, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it was over video games and other stuff, and then all of a sudden we just had a D and D game and just been playing on and off ever since. That's crazy. So you guys uh, started up the uh, Taking Initiative uh, podcast. Uh, uh, what, what can you tell us about that? When did you start doing that? Uh, well, we started uh, recording or we started releasing our content February of this year. Um, we Last year, we decided to uh, – Josh wanted to start um, running a Curse of Strahd game. 
And in the background, I was just like, you know what? I might as well just record this in case, like, you know, we want to use this for something later. Uh, and then I ended up recording the whole thing. I started editing a few episodes down just for fun on my own time. And then Josh had a uh, fun meeting with a few friends of his uh, for a show that he edited. Yeah, so I am also the editor for the audio drama The Once and Future Nerd. And we had a big meetup of different podcasts there, like Wolf 359 and Spirits and all these other people. So it's a big creative space. And, of course, there was alcohol. And alcohol leads to asking things that maybe would cause other things to happen. So I'm like, hey, Christian, creator of Once a Future Nerd, would you like to host our pilot episode, which is definitely edited by now, but it's not? And he <laughs> said yes. So he was like, cool, I'll put it up in like a month. So we went, okay. And we got our first episode ready. We started cranking them out, and we've been going bi-weekly ever since. So uh, thanks to alcohol and podcast meetups, we See? were able to get a mm-hmm, nice firm mm-hmm. start into it. Yep. That's awesome. So that was your first time really recording was when you, was when you started that Curse of Strahd uh, campaign? You'd never done anything in that vein before? I mean, we never really recorded anything before, but before we played the Curse of Strahd game, uh, we realized that we were kind of on and off for a while, and we kind of split. I was in school for a while upstate in New York, so we weren't really together yet. And then finally, when Josh actually got me the job where I work now, we all moved into the city together, and we were like, wait, we're all back together again. Let's start playing D&D again, because that's the greatest idea ever. <laughs> so... Um, we are, we got together and we were trying to figure out, okay, who do we want to DM? Who do we, who, what are we going to do? And uh, Josh ended up running a small text campaign that we played over, I can't remember what, it was what over, system we used. Uh, I think GroupMe. Uh, it was, we basically ran the game. We all worked overnights and we ran a campaign. I'm not going to say a whole campaign because there's only a couple sessions because yeah. this was a uh, batshit idea. <laughs> of, we ran it all over text. And it was like, a little like crazy. text messages or like oh, yes. text messaging. Yes. Yeah. What? How is that possible? Uh, it was possible, though not great. It was hard. You millennials. <laughs> so you millennials. Did you do it in Snapchat? <laughs> was this a Snapchat uh, game? And they're like, oh, I, I, I mean, can't read it anymore. Would have if we, if we gave them the option. Yeah. No, we uh, we all worked overnights and. We all lived in different areas. Like I was still commuting from Long Island at the time. So on the way home on the LIRR, I would run the game. And Nick would be down the hall blasting Lord of the Rings music to get into to the right mind space. And Drew <laughs> you know, like you do. And, yeah, mm-hmm. as, yeah, like you do. Uh, and we ran it for a couple of games, and it wasn't working out great. So then Bucky was running a homebrew campaign for a while. Uh, and then we eventually got to the place of running Curse of Strahd, and now it is the thing that it is. Yep. That's crazy. Yeah. That's insane. Uh, so when, so you guys, you know, you where, where did you grow up? Uh, in the middle of Long Island in Suffolk County, uh, the Shirley Mastic area. Uh, it's by like Smith Point Beach or like by the Hamptons, like yeah, it's like west of yeah, there. twenty minutes west of the Hamptons. Uh, and nice. we grew up there together. And uh, as we said, we've known each other since junior high. So and best friends since then. So yeah, we've uh, just. Uh, been on ventures of things together. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that, like, you guys, you know, your friendship formed from, from Dungeons and Dragons, but is that actually true? How, what was your first uh, experience plan? The, <laughs> as in, like, uh, D&D-wise or just anything? Yeah, D&D-wise. Uh, D&D-wise. <laughs> so we were not the DM on that one. Yeah, no. Uh, it was for a friend of ours. We went to his house. I remember specifically, like, we had a blizzard weekend that we yep. were there for a couple of days. Yeah. Um, and there's very two distinct things I remember from it. Uh, one being Bucky's never, ever, ever allowed to play my character ever again when I'm not there. I'm not oh, allowed to play no. Anymore. 
No, he he controlled my character one time and is back in like three, 3.5 days where magic missile doesn't always hit. Mm. And he essentially brought a house down and we lost like all the treasure we could possibly get. And yeah. so he's not allowed to do that. And we also did something to one of our friends, which was not exactly the nicest of things. No, it was oh. not. Uh, we ended up locking him in a room with a dragon. I don't remember um, why we did that. On Either purpose? we were the assholes or he was. It was one of the two. Uh, because we're the ones here, we're going to say that we were not the ones. Yes. Right. Um, you know, why couldn't it be both of you? Why couldn't it be both parties? <laughs> exactly. Uh, so we basically shut the door behind him. He made some checks. He failed terribly. And now that character's dead. And yep. uh, that's okay. Oh. <laughs> Are you still friends with that guy? No. Oh. No. Not, not for that reason. It no, was no, just no, no. off. No. That was all in good game fun. That's mm-hmm. funny. Uh, at least for us. Yeah. That's cool, yeah. but it sounds like you guys you guys had a lively group that had a lot of memorable stories coming from it, like almost out of the gate. Yeah, um, I wish I remembered more of them. It was more so because we were kids that I think I'm just missing some of those memories. Yeah. How old were you? Uh, uh, we were 13, 14, yeah. and yeah. now we're almost 30, so more yeah. than half our life ago. That's crazy so. to think about that. That you know, you're talking about the the 3.5 era, but you're right. That's that's you know, what I learned. That makes sense. A long time that's ago. Not yeah. that, I mean, I was yeah. only in my 20s really when that was happening too. The 3.5. Time right? is an illusion. Lunchtime, doubly so. Um, but <laughs> definitely, yeah. So, yeah. So, so when, that was like your first kind of campaign that you guys did a, a, a lot, and then and then what happened? How did you guys branch into like when did you start DMing, Josh? Uh, honestly, taking initiative, like when you start House of Spoops episode one, which is our first adventure mm-hmm. uh, in the Death House, that's my first time DMing out loud. Oh, no, oh. no pressure. Uh, no pressure at all. You, uh, it was it was I ran my game before that because I was we were trying to figure out who wanted to take the mantle of being the DM first. So I was like, you know what? We're not gonna record anything, we're just gonna have a fun game. I went on like a minis buying spree and bought a whole bunch of minis. I bought a bunch of like Dwarven Forge terrain blocks and like a whole bunch of stuff. And I was like, I'm gonna make a whole huge map and run this whole fun game for everybody. And I did it for a while and then it got a little uh, inconvenient from having to carry all this stuff all over the place all the time. Right. Um, on the subways which is a hassle and finally we were just like you know what let's do an online only game and josh was like i'm really interested in running curse of strand i really want to run it i think it's a really cool module and do that and oh, we were like okay kind of i said i wanted to run a module which i told them we were running lost <laughs> oh, right. mine of handelver right, right. so they made all their characters for a mod that they were expecting and they listened to adventure zone they were expecting you know a very specific thing and then the first session in the middle of introducing lost mine of handelver i put my book away i took out the curse of strad book and I dumped him in a Barovia. Yeah, it was not cool at all. Whoa. That sounds really cool. <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, that's the best. <laughs> you can I mean, tell Greg's a DM. Wise, it was not cool for car- my character-wise. No, because the, like, when I was reading Curse of Strahd, the whole idea that I got around it was Strahd takes advantage of people when they're at their not highest point right. or when it's advantageous for him. And taking a whole bunch of characters, so I'm essentially taking advantage of the players here, when they're making a character and they may be planning for a very specific type of adventure, I wanted to rip them out of that and dump them into somewhere where they were not expecting anything. Yeah. So it was a nice way, I thought, to pull the idea of Strahd and his temperament but into the DMing style, which makes me a bit of an evil DM, which I've been called a a lot lately, Uh, but it's worth it. Are you an evil DM? Is that true? Uh, I don't think so. I just blame it on the book. But then I, I came out with home. Book, I the book differ, made me so. do it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I beg to differ. That's no, the plot of the Care Bears movie, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> the book made me do it. Like, I've been getting hell about um, a specific animal dying in I the see campaign. I laughing, Pelham. 
And even like going home, my dad's like, really? Like, that's what you did to that thing? I'm like, I can't even come home. Like, wow, without, your dad without. even got on your case? Yeah. Yep. Yep. I sat down for lunch. He pulled out like the burgers and hot dogs, sat down. I was like, we need to I talk no spoilers. So I won't say any names. But he's like, really, huh? That, does that your person, dad, that does, one? Mm-hmm. does dad play D&D? No, I oh. have tried, but no, uh, he's probably listening right now, actually, but hi, he dad. has hey, listened to the, hi, dad. Hi, dad. Uh, so he has listened to the podcast. He, he knows what's going on. Whenever I go home, like I get the That's questions nice. from him and stuff and I get to answer what I can. Um, but unfortunately, uh, family doesn't play, but I get to talk about it. So they get it in some respect. That's really uh, nice but, that they're even that involved and interested. Yeah. Does your yeah, mom they, watch the no, Twitches? No, she has no idea. No. She just watched. She did watch the stream of Annihilation well, when yeah. I was on it for nine was, minutes. Right, but then you're like, "Mom, I do this every week now," and she's like, "No." I don't know if I've actually. Done <laughs> I was hearing before how her. she listened to you uh, and said, "I have no idea what you were talking about," but you sounded really excited. Yes, about it. she was really excited. Yes. Well, actually, I was thinking, now that you mentioned that, your dad, does he like board games? <laughs> uh, yeah, we do board games. And so I brought, I have Betrayal and House on the Hill. Yeah. Oh. I sat down with my mom and my dad, and I'm like, hey, so this is a little rules intensive compared to usual things because we like play Dominion and Lords of Waterdeep and those kind of games. Um, so oh. let's try it. We got to the haunt, and I was really excited to start it. And they're like, yeah, I don't quite get what's going on, but this was cool. Thanks. I'm like, but, 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 but the haunt, no. But no, it's <laughs> going to be totally different. Everything you already didn't know doesn't matter. Yeah, now there's going to be new stuff you don't know. Yeah. Well, he would maybe like Betrayal at Baldur's Gate. If he I'm likes Lords of Water. Oh, so looking forward to that. Yes. Baldur's Gate, there, like sorry. you were asking before, what got me into d and I'm trying to bring like... family together. <laughs> <laughs> I do appreciate that. My toddler's into this kind of stuff, so I'm getting that part of the family at least on board. Nice. Really? Uh, yeah. Like, I came out the other day in the morning, and Bucky still has his minis at my apartment. And I look out into the living room, and on the floor was like a half a bag of his minis out oh. with all like the little bottle caps on them. Uh, to specify, like, uh, you know, Hunter's Mark and all that stuff. And they were just in a line. <laughs> I was so proud. I was so proud. That's yeah. I was like, Uncle Bucky has given him inspiration to be a DM, and I'm so happy about that. Yeah, he's lining up. A little OCD DM. My son oh, does yeah. that, too, though. He calls them baby monsters, and he like, <laughs> he's like, I want to go play baby monsters. And that's really just, like, lining them up and looking at them. Yep. Yeah, and then yeah. chasing them around a little bit. Yeah. It was amazing seeing kids uh, uh, light up because uh, at, at, at uh, Hascon in Providence, oh, yeah, a lot of what we did was just have a table and then we had dice and, and miniatures out there. And it was amazing to seeing the kids like, you know, they were going from, uh, 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 you know, for real friends and things that actually like walk around. Right. Like there was a R2-D2 that was like, like doing all that stuff. Oh, cool. And then they would come to our table and they're like, oh, is this a, is this a board game? I'm like, kind well, yes no. <laughs> and uh but the kids just wanted to play with the toys and they just wanted and to get them that. in their mouths and put them in their mouths yeah. definitely had a lot of d20s in in kids <laughs> mouths i had a few parents come up to me like you do you have any disinfectant because this both of these were in my kids mouth i'm oh, like boy. oh i don't care it's fine and then <laughs> i put them in my mouth and everybody was happy <laughs> um no but those those are such an in for kids to like have this this idea yeah. of, uh, uh, of of play and toys and they loved like you know the dragons were big hits and the mm-hmm. beholders were freaky enough for them to be like well what is this? And I'm like, well, those are eye stocks and they all do different things. Like this one will put you to sleep and this one will disintegrate you. <laughs> and they're all like, <gasps> Ooh. yeah, 
It's creepy. Yeah, it's creepy. He took out the monster manual and sat down with me. He wanted me to read him part of the monster oh, manual. That's so I'm like, cute. dude, are you sure you're three? He was like, it's DNA. fine. I showed him and he was like, it's scary. I'm like, it's you know, it's not real. He goes, I know. I'm like, cool, fine, let's go. Let's My go son's the same way. Like he loves looking at the D D monsters. He loves looking at the monster manual. And then I had like a copy of Us Weekly. And in the back of Us Weekly there was an ad for like this little porcelain baby monkey. Super ugly, I will admit, but he started to cry. He saw that. He was like, oh, my God, the baby monkey. <laughs> and then he went sleep later that night. He was like, I'm scared of the baby monkey. Like, oh we God. literally just read the monster manual, and you're totally With bold. actual monsters that will, you know, kill but you there's and There's a monkey you. with yeah. a pacifier. Well, He's I like, had, it had really hairy arms. It was, freaked him out. I had the monster manual for a while, and I was doing that same thing, where I was like, here, and this is the story of this, you know, these are the giants, these are the dragons, yeah. which they got into, right? And then I got Curse of Strahd. And I was flipping through that, and then I saw there was one picture that Fiona saw, and this was when she was like two or oh, three, no. and she was like, "Oh, what is that?" <laughs> and I like told her a little bit about it, and then she's like, "Like you could just tell she was like looking askance, like she didn't want to like look at the book yeah. really directly." And I'm like, "Yeah, let's put this away. I don't want to have that." So well, yeah, right, exactly. I think your imagination is going, but I think that's it started the reason why she likes fantasy stuff now a little bit more is because oh. it's got that little bit of fear factor to yeah, it. Yeah, I can see Fiona being into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should be a DM. So good on you, uh, Uncle Bucky, for making that happen. Yeah. Yes. Something Always to be proud of. Yeah. Nice. How how old is your uh, uh, your kid, Josh? Uh, three and a half. Three and a half. See, we're yeah. right in the same wheelhouse here. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, we were sh- we were swapping uh, kid stories at the bar the other day. It was good. D and D kids. Good discussion, man. Yeah, I know, right? When do you think you're gonna get uh, uh, actually pl- play a game with him? Uh, as a like, I do video games with him already. So we already did some like role playing stuff. Uh, like he's mm-hmm. made a WoW character before, um, made one in Final Fantasy 15, like, uh, sorry, not 15, 14. Uh, 14, um, like we play Minecraft and stuff. So we play games on that front, playing an actual D&D game. I don't know. I'll I can to, write one for him. Uh, yeah, we can write one I can write a kid's friendly. So you run into straw. D&D game? No. <laughs> <laughs> you think you're going to play this cute game, but then there's yeah. this mist. And there's the twist. Yeah. I, I did the precursor. Like the other day, we were on Long Island, didn't have any books. So I ended up just making up stories, you know, as you do as a DM. Um, and he really enjoyed that. I was helping him. Like he was telling me like what the characters' names are and what they'd be doing. So I was going at it at a storyline aspect to mm-hmm. kind of prime him for the later days. But I feel like he needs to be able to count and read first. So we'll we'll get past that point and then probably dip in. That's how you can teach him how to count and read. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's true. That's true. Nice. going to be ahead of the game now. Yeah, my, yeah, my oldest is six, and it's, she's getting, I'm like, she's she's gearing up. I mean, now oh, she's, got she's, the, she's got the math and the reading down, and now I'm on a, you know, she's already pretending. I think she would love the Badger story. She loves, if, if we play Betrayal, uh, Betrayal Baller's Gate, she would definitely want the thing where she can she turn into, into different uh, 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 animals. That's like her... Dream come true. Oh, yeah. I think I she's, don't know that she'd want to kill everybody. She wanted to be. She a, was a badger, but <laughs> <laughs> Fiona maybe. Yeah, Fiona actually, that's much more up her up her alley for sure. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So Greg tells me that the um, the stru- podcast, of podcast of annihilation was your idea, Josh. Yeah. Yes. It. Yes. It was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. That happened right after the stream of Annihilation. Uh, I was on Will or Encounter Roleplay's stream the next day, and we were discussing uh, Tomb of Annihilation since it was just like brand new news and Xanathar's got everything, and we were just going through it, and it sounded great, and we were on board with the concept, and I went to bed, and it was 5 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> and all of a sudden I just sat right up and went, what about podcast, though? And I went back to sleep. Oh. And the next day, I'm like... 
what about podcasts though? I just kept thinking <laughs> about it a little bit. And then I, I walk into the data room where Bucky and uh, Drew. I, I remember I remember this because we, we all work in the same building too. Um, so I remember he walked into the office that we work in and Drew, who's another member of uh, Taking Initiative, he sits next to me and we work literally and sit next to each other all the time. And we also live together. So together, we see each yeah. other too much. And um, <laughs> we were both working and Josh just walks in and is standing there with this like pensive face on and we're sitting working and then like a minute goes by and he's just standing there and then I look at him and I go, yes, can I help you? And he's, he's just sitting there because... I can look at him, and since we've been friends for so long, I know the look on his face, and I'm like, you have something in your head, you want to say it, but you don't want to say it because as soon as you do, now it's a real thing, yep. and we're going to tell you that you have to do it. Uh -oh. So he turns to us and says, I came up with an idea, and I want to run it past you guys. So he told us the whole idea of Podcast of Annihilation, and we were like, great, make it a thing. And he was like, how, though? And I looked at him and was like, what do you mean, how? Like, emailed email Wizards of the Coast. Slide into Greg's DMs. Like, do something. Slide. <laughs> slide on uh, in. Sounds yeah, so weird. I went back to the room, and then I sat Swipe there right on my DMs. <laughs> 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 I went back to the room, and I was just, like, pacing a little bit, looking down, I typed it all up. I messaged uh, Will from Encounter Roleplay, telling him about the idea, and Joel from D&D is for Nerds. And I'm like, hey, if I pitched this thing, would you guys be interested in doing this too? And they're like, <laughs> yeah, of course we are. What are you, dumb? Yes, absolutely. Uh, so after a little bit, and I sent it to uh, the Wizards Twitter, I didn't really hear anything back yet. And I was about to give up. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Then went back to Bucky and Drew, and they're like, send it to Greg. Go. And I went, okay, fine. <laughs> so I sent it to Greg, and Greg was phenomenal about it. So thank you very much, Greg, yes, thank for you. taking up the idea. No problem. It was good and, stuff. I, when yeah. I see good ideas, I'm like, yes, of course. Why wouldn't we? I, I, I'm, I was almost, it was such a good idea that I was ashamed I hadn't thought of it first. Uh, you, you told everyone that it was your idea. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is right patently now, false. I'd always surprised. be like, oh, pitch me this I thing. got this idea. <laughs> I was five in the morning. I was pacing. I just done. <laughs> and I said, what about podcasts? I know. I just done a stream with uh, Will from Encounter Roleplay. And I was like, <laughs> Right. Uh, no, but it was the, what I, I loved the uh, you know people who create uh, audio drama podcasts, and I was always my my dream was when we got the the D and D channel going that we would like convince more of you guys to go into video streaming. Kind of right. was the idea. It was like, oh, the, I know they make really good audio, but I think they can transition into video as well. So that was always part of it. But then I was like, oh, but then you were like, well, there's something pure about the audio form in itself too. So why not highlight that as well? So yes. Yeah. Uh, especially like uh, as a career in post-production, I'm an online editor. So I'm an editor professionally. And when yeah. I go home, I edit Bucky's episodes that he passes to me. So I'm always editing. So podcasts in a way for me is my edit vent. Mm. It's how I get to apply what I know and my craft to that. If I mm. do it on the stream, I don't get to edit. It's just run to the middle mm. stuff of oh, like whatever comes out, comes out. <laughs> And Shelly wants to edit friends. out her face that she just made. She wants to be like, nope, get that out of there. I'm like, no, we can't. It's, it's live. It's out That's in the my world. My real now. face. Sorry, no sorry, editing. folks. You're gonna be able to see it now. You can watch your own <laughs> face in a second. Yeah, you're about to do it. You're about to do it. Oh yeah, he does. Oh my god. So we uh, 
like with with the streams, we also say things when we're recording that we're like, well, that's not going in the episode. And you can't really do that when you're streaming. So it's a nice way to filter yourself to yeah. and kind of hone it in and make it more of an audio drama, which is what we tend to do is we concentrate on the story and the characters. And we we do add humor because we are always making still fun playing of a game. Each other, so, so. Um, yeah, we're yeah. still playing a game. And we, we have those moments like we'll cut music in the middle of like Nick botching his accent or uh, <laughs> someone saying something really off kilter, and we're like, guys, really? You can't know. And we just cut music <laughs> and just go into it. Yeah. Uh, it. It's a lot of fun. But to go back to your earlier point of, uh, you know, how this idea came came about, like our podcast is called Taking Initiative. It's uh, taking what we have and what we can do and going as far as we can with it and stretch further. And the idea of collaborating with other podcasts, which we thankfully got to do with this, is amazing because you get to deal with everyone's different styles, different DMing, different you know players and how they run their characters. And you get to learn together and uh, experience what a dynamic will be when you're with a different group of people. And that was right. one of the main parts of POA and why I wanted to do this was to help share that idea just as you did with the stream of Annihilation. Nice. Yeah. And it, uh, it, it makes perfect sense. And I, and I, you know, I agree too that there's a, a, a special to specialness to both forms you know like the yes. the improv nature of video and being able to see you know characters react in real time is, is there something really powerful about that but there's also something really powerful about how you guys build in sound effects and music and yeah. you're right even just editing the the stories down a little bit so it doesn't feel quite uh, uh so um drawn out uh, or like you right know, right right you know yeah. i i think i think there's 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 pros and cons to both, and people definitely uh, in the audience prefer one over the other, or you know, or both. They're like, oh, I'm in the mood for this, or I'm in the mood for that. So uh, there, there's room for both. So we're you know this this podcast of annihilation came at the perfect time when we're we're open to more stuff like this, and I think maybe we'll do I don't know maybe Dungeon Delve kind of will do more of these things going forward. Uh, I seem like a lot of people who were. Um, uh, doing it as far as for me listening to these episodes really like the idea of, of moving forward with the stories so I hope more and more people uh, do as many episodes as they can and we'll be happy to host them agreed yeah we'll be doing uh, we'll be continuing our story a little bit past the POA yeah. uh, episode so we'll have I think six or seven other episodes and they'll be coming out in October running uh, every other week against our Curse of Strahd um, storyline right now which is the Barovian Rhapsody storyline uh, story arc yeah um so yeah they'll be uh coming out probably until november maybe december or so and which we were also one of the lucky games that got to bring in a couple guests from some of the other podcasts to uh right. join our game and uh it gave us like a nice fresh look because like we're so used to playing our game with our group of friends and do all these things and bringing in uh people from other co podcasts and styles and all these things it really adds an extra level of just fun to what we're doing and we're always reminded that this is a game and that we're still having fun even though we're still trying to tell a story at the same time yeah and especially bringing adam and joel in from dnas for nerds and sage from the venture maidens uh, adam and joel specifically we've been listening to their podcast since around the time that they started yeah. a year two years ago or so mm -hmm. i think like two years ago so getting to work with people that we've listened to and really enjoyed and knew their style and getting to experience that in a different way was was fantastic to do it's good stuff I love it. Yeah. And uh, as you said, I like that it kind of will uh, cross-pollinate and get more uh, uh, inspiration back and forth. And, and uh, uh, you know, I, I love seeing that. It's kind of like, yes, what, absolutely. It's kinda like what Dungeons & Dragons does, you know? like it, that. You, it is. It's interesting because, like I was telling you before, we saw this at the stream of Annihilation 2. You guys are not competitive with one another. No, no, you're, absolutely not. You're like the complete opposite. Like you're helping to support each other and promote each other and build awareness for each other and 
putting each other on each other's streams and podcasts. Yeah. It's just, it is very telling of the D&D community. Yeah, and yeah. even, like, if there's, there is a mindset that you can have of, like, okay, after this event, we'll just be doing what we were doing beforehand and not really continuing to talk, but hi. But that didn't go with us. Like, we already recorded uh, something we won't say what with Celeste from the Venture Maidens the other day. <gasps> There's secrets? Uh, There's secrets. There secret secrets. stuff. Oh. Uh, we have um, Lauren from uh, Dungeon Drunks going to be hopping on another project. So oh, we're fun. already working with other things later on. Um, like, we already started working with other people. We got Zach Valenti from Wolf 359, uh, the audio drama, to voice Strahd in our game. Mm. So we already oh started God, reaching that's out. that's awesome. It's, Zach is so good. Oh, I am so jealous of his velvety, smooth Strahd voice. I hate it. Yeah, if you want to hear it, maybe <laughs> listening to today's episode would be I a do. good I'm place gonna, to start. I think I'm going to listen on my way home. You should. I am. Yeah, it do you have a two-and-a-half-hour commute? Now. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, raining out. So. We also uh, not even just cross-pollinated with other D&D podcasts, but we also took people that we've worked with before in the past and brought them into this. Like, we Yeah, have, we, we started to build like a small community of our own of like – people that we want to reach out to and people who are struggling with their podcast, maybe like they also do actual play copy podcasts and they want some insight or feedback from someone. We have reached out to other podcasts and we've begun basically building uh, what we call the spark network, uh, which we've brought in two other, uh, one podcast, uh, the uh, nerds on a roll who um, are huge friends of ours. They are awesome people. And we've been working with them also. And we have another podcast in the future who's going to be joining the show. And we are working towards a future project together where we are all going to be working together in making one big uh, show come to life. Wow. So we're, again, like trying to uh, build that uh, desire to be inclusive and include everybody and tell the story in the best possible way that we can. Yeah, and also uh, Katie Kawaguchi from Nerds on a Roll is one who designed our uh, Hack and Stones Gambit logo. Mm. Um, so we got her for our artwork. Uh, we also had uh, Neil Martin, who was from Adventures Anonymous uh, a little while ago. Uh, he ended up doing like our theme music. So we were able to get a couple people that we've become friends with uh, through this little podcast journey and still work together, even though they don't really work on D&D content necessarily or as of now. Uh, we were able to still extend to uh, a little bit wider of an audience, which is you know what we're all about. The, yeah. the collaborative nature, as you were saying before, mm -hmm. Shelley, is what D and D is all about. Exactly, yeah. and we and we love that you know, through through you know the the audience that Dungeons and Dragons has as a whole that we could point to. Hey, these are some of these great creators you may not know. Maybe you know of one or two of them. Here's a way to get you know uh, access to to a whole bunch of ones you might not have been exposed to before. So. That's, that, that was a big goal for us was to make sure that you guys, uh, uh, you know, got a new and different audience that may be aware of you that may not have been before. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And it's also cool that everybody went in a totally different direction. Like, I think there was some trepidation from the Dungeon Masters when we were first talking about this idea. They were like, mm -hmm. well, what if we do the same thing? It's going to be, oh, I don't know. And then, like, everybody's ideas were completely different. And there was no, even, I mean... That's kind of the nature of Dungeons and Dragons, also. But like, even if it was the same idea, I don't think the games would have been that much similar, and it would have been that big of a deal. But yeah. everybody took <clears throat> different parts of of the Tomb of Annihilation storyline, uh, which we gave to you guys. You know, what two months ahead of time, a couple months ahead of time, so you could digest a little bit. But each of you took inspiration and went a completely different route. Which is yeah, fantastic. they were blatantly different paths. Like I was looking at the spreadsheet of where people were going. going yeah. Well, we're fine. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm so excited to like finally dissect that book. Once now that we're done, I want to go through the book that Josh has and just read every single page and you're like, what did you do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How did you which, hurt me? The evil DM. Which the part that I did, uh, it was only based on the Executioner's Run in Port Neon Sorrow, which mm -hmm. as you guys know, is like a quarter of a page. 
but I turned it into the two hour thing that we did. Yeah. So I'm like, go ahead, read it. You won't, you won't get it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was a good time. Yeah, I, I, I love it. It's up right now on the Dungeon Delve feed. Uh, so those of you watching on Twitch, go ahead and go uh, check that out. It's on iTunes uh, and uh, also available uh, if you're just interested to find out more about, about these groups. It's dnd.wizards.com slash POA. You'll find out everything about the podcast of Annihilation from there uh, as well as the schedule. I think we're going to do two today. So we had Nerd Poker and Taking Initiative on the first day, and then we'll be doing two uh, for the rest of the uh, rest of this week. Um, so those of you in podcast land who are listening to this a couple weeks later, they'll be all up and you can down them all, download them all and uh, just binge listen to them, which is going to be tons of fun. Yeah. Well, thank you guys uh, for stopping by uh, and talking about this. Uh, again, it was a really great idea. Uh, thanks, Josh, for having it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and, and yeah. Send yeah. more so ideas. Yeah. Send them more Sure, I heard, I heard I need to have six ideas or so. Yes. From where you're yeah, yeah. Anything, yeah. Like, if you have ideas about marketing board games. <laughs> <laughs> Shelly's just in the in the. She doesn't want to think anymore. She just wants I'm to done. implement. <laughs> I'm done. She's gonna implement others' ideas, uh, but also just want to heads up to uh, Bucky for you uh, in encouraging him to to pitch it out to us. I think that's yeah. a very oh, vital yeah, part, absolutely. not only just of friendship, but of of any creative endeavor is to have the first person you tell it to to be like, yeah, make it happen. Do it. I'm very happy to be a figure of motivation in a lot of yep. my friends' lives and just in general. Yeah, yeah it's. It's very well received. Thank you. <laughs> As a uh, former creative person who has brought it to someone, uh, brought an idea creative. to someone and former, well, I mean, whatever. But like having like an idea and then have someone be like, yeah, as the first reaction, you're like, oh, I guess I won't do it then. And uh, so having that first positive reaction is uh, is super vital. And so that's why we're hiring you, Bucky, to uh, follow around. Yeah, just follow around us all oh, the time okay. and just be like, yep, that's a great idea. Make it happen. Oh, I'll that. <laughs> Isn't that yep. Nathan's tell me when, job? Tell me when to start. <laughs> <laughs> There's no pay. Uh, yeah. I'll still be <laughs> there. It's fine. <laughs> all right, good. Phew. Uh, all right, you guys are fantastic. Uh, we gotta throw this to some force gray, so uh, unfortunately we gotta let you go. Uh, but we'll have uh, we'll have some of the other creators on uh, from the podcast of Annihilation. We'll talk about their story and how you pitched to them, or, or how I pitched to them, or whatever happened. And uh, yeah, uh, I want to hear more of the story. Exactly. Yeah. There's, there's behind there's, the scenes. Exactly. Fantastic. Do all you right. guys want the Twitter handles by chance, real quick? Yeah, that's we do. right. Thank you for that. All good, John. <laughs> yeah, uh, if you want to find us on Twitter, uh, you can go to at ti underscore pod. That is our Taking Initiative Twitter handle. Uh, for all the other social media, you can go to our website, thespark.network, and you'll find uh, information about us, our show, and all of our podcast information is there, as well as all our social media. Uh, me personally, I am Bucky underscore Masters on Twitter. And I am at Xyroxis the Beard, which is at X-I-R-O-X-I-S the Beard. That's hard. Oh, man. How, do you regret that? It's usually my character name that I used to go to. That's where it came from. Nice. Uh, that was great before you started doing podcasts, then you have to say that out loud like uh, 90 times. Oh, yeah, I realized how shitty yeah, that was yeah, later. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Sorry, I just did the opposite of Bucky where I was like, not so much on that yep. name. <laughs> you need a Bucky. I need a Bucky. Yeah. I'm, okay. Am I your Bucky, Shelly? No. no. Yeah. Dang it. We're working on it. All right. Remember, we're, we're trying. Lifting, we're lifting we're ourselves trying to lift up. Each other. We're lifting each other up. <laughs> we're lifting each other up. Uh, all right. Well, thank you guys so much uh, for stopping by, <laughs> and uh, uh, you are fantastic. And keep telling each other that you're amazing because you are. You are. It's good stuff. Thank you so much. Thank, thank, you, guys. You. thank you, Greg. Nice meeting you, Shelley. Yes, nice you too. You. Talk to you later. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 
Um, that was we, we already said they were very sweet, but they were very sweet. I like their friendship. Yeah, I want to. I want. I a, want a friend. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you buy those? Where do you get one? They're just at the store. Oh. Can I have a droid as a friend? A C three PO. Oh, hello there. Oh dear. Do you like it when people talk to you in British accents that are worse than yours? I do. Oh, good. Oh, Let, yes. Let's be friends. I'm going to roll friends. a diplomacy I check. Have a no. No. Oh, you rolled a one. It was a one. It's terrible. You said diplomacy too, and now it's ruined. And now it, all you're thinking about is uh, what Ben did to you. Yeah, at the hands of Ben. Twice. Oh my god. Oh my god. Uh, anyway. So. <laughs> That we were like very much on the same wave. Like we they were are like, friends. We're like let's do like threes. And they, okay, fancy. All right, we're back. So uh, there's a lot of fun stuff uh, that we probably didn't get to in the intro to this episode that we could probably talk you about talk now. You talked about a lot. Of, I'm not gonna such lie. Such as I don't even remember what I said. At the you beginning. said everything. Yeah, I think I said everything. You said it. All oh. right. Well, let's close it out then. You said it all. Where can people find out about uh, Betrayal at Baldur's Gate Please. or the uh, Access to Now's Anniversary Edition or the Secret Project that's going to be announced at? <gasps> Stop it. I didn't. I didn't say anything. Don't say it. I didn't say it. I can't. Oh I my god! It just made me feel sick. You were so. very nervous right there. You've definitely had like uh, <sighs> uh, palm sweaty mom spaghetti on your uh, on your palm <laughs> sweaty mom spaghetti. <laughs> oh, I um. So where can people find out about those things? Is what I'm asking. Is <sighs> it on Avalon Hill two on, on the Twitter? Okay, yeah, the number two and um, Facebook. The Avalon Hill official Facebook page. Yeah. Go there and read that Tavern Talk series that we just kicked off with Adam Lee's blog post called Hello Priscilla. It's about his haunt. One of his 15 haunts that he wrote. Um, so is there a reason why you call it Tavern Talk? Because of the Elf Song Tavern? Or like, or like Dragon Talk? You didn't want to call it that? Or you didn't want it's, to call it like... You want me to call it Dragon Talk? <laughs> I mean, it seems like it's close to what we do. The Elf Song Tavern uh-huh. is where you start in Betrayal at Baldur's Gate. Sure. You got a problem? <laughs> You're saying su- it's pretty close. <gasps> Are you going to sue me? Uh, well, I mean, Tavern Talk's a good name. I, mean, I know, it is. You want to take it? I, oh, why didn't we call this Tavern Talk? I know. It's what I mean. uh, It's very close, is what I'm saying. We're running out of branding names, and well, so maybe we can lean on dra- Tag and, uh, ta- tag and Talk. Tag and Talk. <laughs> you can, because I changed the blog series name with every game that Oh. Release like Widow's oh. Walk was called Widow's Talk. <laughs> so I'm just saying, when this is over, you can have ta- Tavern right. Talk is up for right. grabs. Right. We'll do it. Know. We we'll can do really it. like be at a tavern. We'll too. start up a fourth podcast. It'll happen. Hmm. Uh, so that's uh, I want to check that out because I love Adam Lee. He oh writes, my god, he his, writes good stuff. But his this is like this blog post that he wrote is so good. Mm. It's just a really good kooky insight into how his idea for this one particular hunt came to be. Good stuff. And I think it's amazing. And you can only find it on podcast on, on Facebook. Yeah. All right. On the Avalon Hill Facebook. All right. Can you print out the Facebook page and read it like it's a paper? Yeah, and then mail it to you. And then mail it to me <laughs> and so that it gets copyrighted because I'm not sure it's copyrighted on Facebook. Didn't they take all the things and they own it now? Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so awesome. Uh, where can they find out about you personally and all the projects that you were doing, Shelly? How about if you follow me on Twitter at Shelly Moo. It's S-H-E-L-L-Y-M-O-O. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. This is it. That sounds, sounds good. Uh, or Facebook. You can find me at Greg Tito on the Twitters. Uh, I usually keep the Facebook pretty personal. I have a, personal, a, I have so a I writer page. That. You do have a writer page, I know, because yeah. you're very professional. Well, go there. Profesh. Go there, because then we'll, we'll talk about that. I will profesh my love to you. Oh. 
on your professional website. Do it. Yeah. You probably aren't even following it, are you? I think I am. Yeah. You your wife is. You know, uh, I don't think I mentioned this, but uh, many people at Hasgon said that they missed your columns. Are they you serious? Your, yeah, they said that they like they, they they like the podcast. They're like, I miss your columns. I wanted to start writing those again. No, I was uh, like, I will tell her, and that will uh, warm the cockles of her heart. That's really sweet. You yeah. know, I keep telling Bart to like, where is that archive of? Because I wrote that column for like five years. It's on there once a month. I think it's on like the, is there like the old website? Like I think you can find it on the. How on do there. you find it? I don't know. Well, Actually, let's I, dig them up. It's a, it's available. You know what else I want to talk to you? <laughs> Bring it up. That's now is the time. Let's talk. When the mics do you know are that hot. I wrote two books about Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Well, I feel like one of them. I Everything I need to know I learned from Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. I feel like it was a little uh, before it's, its time. Or it was ahead of its time. It was ahead of its time. Yes, not before its time. It was ahead of its time. Uh-huh. And then now I feel like we need to, like, re-promote it. You know who you should talk to about that? Who? Liz Shu. Yeah, I mean, is it in print? Is it still in well, print? Well, it's on... I, no. No? But so it's reprints. Kindle and it's, oh. uh, and it's on Audible. Oh, yeah. We and should it's, totally not, it's not me reading Do you it. guys know? I don't think anybody knows this. I don't this. think so either. So I was talking to Nathan about this the other day, and he's like, talk to Tito. And I was like, well, I'll just bring it up when we're on the podcast. <laughs> That's the perfect... <laughs> See, we've been doing this for like I two totally, years. I know, and I and forgot. This is the first time that you've mentioned <laughs> I totally it. totally forgot. This is a good idea. I'm glad that you're doing it. Do you? I think, you think we're, we're going to lift idea. each other up about this. Lift each other up. This book, but everything I need it, to know about Dungeons and Dragons is like super, like just. It's on Audible. Kind of uh, go download it right now. If you want to give it a review, give it five stars. Ooh, well, don't, it'll don't start do that. surfacing. Don't give it a review. Yeah. <laughs> I think you should review it and like it. And then also, uh, and Confessions it's of a, It's on Kindle. Confessions yes. of a Part Time Sorcerer is also on Kindle, that too, right? It's not on Kindle because there's so many illustrations that it was actually kind of hard. Um, but it is on Audible. Oh, great. Did yeah. you read it? No. Why not? I don't know. Who read it? Some professional woman. <laughs> and it's weird, though, because I started listening to it. and But it's like my stories and in, in my account. And she's like, I am a sorceress named Astrid Bull. And I'm like, no, you're not. I am. I am. We, but yeah, you sound a lot better than Again, me. this is like two years of us doing this podcast. I never mentioned it. Mics in front of your mouth. I am. We could have gotten a recording session and make it happen. Yeah, Sorry. let's do it. Maybe I should be a guest on Dragon <laughs> Socially, tell us, tell us about your life. I, when was the first time you played Under the Dragons? I can tell you that. Yes, we shall. Maybe that's a good idea, but we'll do that. I just think that maybe we'll there's a lot of new people who have come into d Who don't even know that you have this, this entire like, career as an authoress. I'm telling you. This book, though, it's just like using D&D to make... You also a better person. If you like Shelley's voiceover uh, characters, you would like these books. I didn't read those books on Audible, so if you hate I mean, listening to me, don't let that stop you from. But they're written. It, not. I mean, I'm saying oh, your voice. My but writing. Like, but my your voice. Your voice yes. definitely comes through in yes. the writing. Totally. Did you so, read those? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh. I read part time. I didn't read the other one, but I read part time. Oh, so I think I think you should read the other one. Okay, let's do it. Okay. I'm gonna read it right now. Okay. All right. Just hold one second. That was amazing. Did you like it? I really <laughs> <laughs> the magic of podcast. That was the flipping of the page sound. That um, was I can make any sound with my voice. Like a mimic flipping. <laughs> Remember when we joked about how this outro was going to be 20 minutes long? We and did. It, it and is I pretty... love that you just looked at your fake watch. I know. It's because it's well, like time. Time's coming. That's time. <laughs> Poor Ryan is like crying because it's, oh, it's, it's your anniversary today. We oh, should let him go. We really screwed up many, many He's things like, today. Honey, I'll be home. By five. I think he even said this is, and he didn't want to record today because it was his anniversary today. And now I'm just realizing that I'm a terrible person. 
Again. I, like for the fourth time today, I've realized it. Elevate. <laughs> I can't even lift you up from that. No, you're like, that's terrible. The guy In fact, didn't want to work you on his leave anniversary now. and now we made him late. <sighs> it's just raining and you only have to drive to Tacoma. You'll get home tomorrow. All right. So let's wrap it up for reals. I'm Hi. at Greg Tito. I don't even know if I said that anymore, but I am at that Twitter handle. Sorry, Tanya. You can find out about uh, everything that's going on uh, in our world at DungeonsAndDragons.com uh, or follow on the Twitter at Wizards underscore DND. You guys are all amazing people. Yep. We're going to close this out with a roar and not a whimper. <laughs> that's the badger. <laughs>